This week, we cover car news from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, discuss the brand new Buick Regal Sportback, and answer your questions, next on Talking Cars. Welcome back to another episode. I'm John Linkove. I'm Ryan Pizlikowski. And I'm Mike Monticello. And as some Talking Cars regulars know, we're doing this weekly, so we want you to check back with us every week for a new episode. And for new people to Talking Cars, thanks for joining us. This is an interesting time of year because there's always been a new auto show, the Detroit Auto Show, mm -hmm. but it actually has one that, that's supplanted it in a way, the Consumer Electronics Show. That always used to be about computers, tech, etc. And now it's increasingly about cars. And this week we've had a lot of news come out of there. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff about EVs, Ryan. Mm. First off, the Kia Nero EV. Kia's, Kia's got this, this car that they say is going to compete with the Bolt, uh, mm -hmm. mileage-wise. Uh, you know, what do you think the future is really going to be for, for vehicles like this? What do you think, the, you know, we're going to see, are we going to see the mileage? Are we going to see, a, you know, an uptick in sales? Or is it really still niche -y? For me, it really comes down to, is if, they can, if we can charge these batteries faster and they can last longer. Aside from that, a lot of this stuff seems far out. I, don't I think that, you know, what CES is showing this year is that electric cars are here for sure. Uh, and autonomous cars, you know, that's the sexy thing to talk about. Are we allowed to say sexy? I don't know. I think it's, it's sexy. Okay. We're, bringing, <laughs> we're bringing sexy to the, to the electronic uh, vehicle, but what electric I, vehicle. What I think we're also finding out is, you know, what they say, 238 miles of range for this Nero. Right? Yeah, yeah, proposed. Yeah. And, and what it's yeah. showing is, I mean, this is a concept at this point, but what it's showing is the days of 100-mile range on electric cars, that's yeah. over. You can't even, sure. you the, can't even come out yeah. with electric cars. If it only has 100 miles, don't... Whoops, hope that thing's... <laughs> uh, don't, don't even bother if it only has 100 miles of range. Right. Range anxiety gonna, will is slowly going exactly. away. So right. that's, what, that's what we're learning. Well, know? it's interesting with that is that the, it's, the, the Nero is similar to the Hyundai Ioniq. And right. that electric version is only 124-mile range. It has a much smaller battery, 28 right. kilowatt hours versus 68 for the Nero. So interesting that even within a similar same company, Hyundai and Kia, never want to admit it, but they're both owned by Hyundai. Um, <laughs> you know, that they, they, they have such a different range. Right. You know, one of the interesting things I see with this is the Nero has, because it's silent, it's electric, right. so it's going to have a lot of uh, pedestrian warning systems, a lot of beeps and, and noises and flashing lights mm -hmm. to tell people in, in urban environments, right. know, don't walk in front of me, I'm here, yeah. you know, because they're all going to be, you know, down on their phones. Um, another thing, and now, so Brian, you touched on it um, as, as far as uh, the types of batteries, is that Fisker, company that had a very... Some say sexy. I think it was ugly. Uh, it's a little the aggressive in styling, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a number of years ago, and it just never took off. They sold a couple thousand. Right. They crashed and burned with a battery maker, et cetera. Well, they're back, and they're going to use what they call a solid-state battery, um, which promises to pack a lot of power into a small space. Right. you think that has something? Do you think the Fisker has, has more legs given its styling and its price and its sex appeal? Well, yeah, um, I mean, it's obviously it's glamorous looking. I mean, it's also one hundred thirty thousand dollars. I think was the yeah. base price tag. Um, I don't think going doors. You get going doors. doors. Yeah, so it's 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 extreme. But yeah. they they stated though that I, I don't think they're using they're going to be using a lithium battery at first, and then the solid state will come in at some point. But they're claiming is you can charge way faster and get more mileage, and that's right. that is the the holy grail in terms of, to me, in terms of a good electric car. It's got to charge fast and it's got to go far. Right. It has, to, mean, has to replace gasoline. Right. right. Exactly. They're saying 2.5 times the uh, what, energy density uh, of a lithium-ion battery. Right. And so what that means is it will be able to have a longer range. Yep. And maybe even more important, it'll charge faster. They're right. saying, you know, we'll, we'll charge 
within about the time that you'd fill your gas tank. Right. Uh, and they even, but the question is, I mean, are they talking from fully empty? What are we talking here? Sure, I mean, sure. Are we talking just putting in nice parameters for 50 miles of range or what's this minute that right. they're talking about? I think about? the third big thing is if it's smaller. I mean, that's right. huge. Yeah. We can pack a small, a, more energy into a smaller space. I mean, that's. They're saying is, you know, similar size to lithium ion, if not smaller, 400 mile range with mm -hmm. the lithium ion. In five years, they're going to have the solid state. Now, mm -hmm. I think back to the last director of the facility here who had a, a saying about batteries. He said, there's three great liars in the world. There's good liars, there's bad liars, and there's battery <laughs> engineers. engineers. And, oh, man, you yeah. know, nothing against Fisker or Key or whomever. Right. There's a lot of promises. We've been hearing, yeah. what you, there's been promises since the turn of the last century about yeah. battery technology. I believe it when I see it. Well, yeah. especially with the Fisker. I mean, look, we already, we, we tested one, what, back yeah. in 2012, and it wasn't a great car. Right. I mean, yeah. They look great. They did to some. They did, yep. yeah, and not to you, not apparently. To and this new one looks, I think, even better. Mm -hmm. And it has these, like we talked about, the butterfly doors, mm -hmm. you know, uh, all four doors open kind of in a cool way. Yeah. Um, I, but, you know, Fisker is kind of famous at this point now for not the wrong reasons the yeah. goods, you know, so. <laughs> I think uh, we've given them enough time. We'll, we'll, we'll wait until they come out. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll, 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 we've, Everybody deserves a second chance. They give a True. second chance, right. <laughs> You're a good At a first impression. Right. Very good. Um, another company, Byton, is a Chinese company. Mm -hmm. They have the Byton EV, which they claim two versions, mm -hmm. 250 mile range and a 325 mile range. But Mike, they have a huge part of the vehicle, which is very, very interesting yeah, inside. I'm, well, yeah, I mean, so look, we thought um, uh, that Tesla had a big screen with its 17 inch, you know, infotainment screen coming yeah, down the like center. Yeah, it's like twice the size of this. Right, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. this Byton has a 49 inch screen. I mean, you know, the That's whole insane. inside of the car is a screen. Across the I didn't believe it, I had yeah. to go look and really. Yeah. Plus an eight inch touch screen in the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, so, but they, they have an office apparently in Silicon Valley. Uh, they're gonna. They're saying they're gonna have their. You know, this is a brand new car company, and they're saying they're gonna have their first car. They're gonna be selling uh, in in China in 2019, and they're gonna be selling in the U.S. sometime after that. They haven't said when. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see. Again, it's this is another one of those we'll see things. It's a kitchen sink car because it's got all the buzzwords. It's got limited self-driving level three. It'll have level four at some point. It's got the touch screen. It has it better Amazon drive itself Alexa. with that screen there. That's right. distracting. Right? I, yeah. It's like How a day, it's like a day yeah. trader it's car. Insane. You know, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's got all you have all your screens up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got Amazon Electra, Alexa, excuse me, integration. It's wow. It, it seems it's, it's insane. Just like last year, we had Faraday Future, the year before Faraday came out. It all sounds very pie in the sky. I mean, and right. it's not just because it's a Chinese company. You know, we talk about Fisker with pie in the sky. You know, yeah. until we have established vehicles, you know, coming out on a regular basis, it all sounds great, and it all sounds like it's trying to get money, money, money yeah. from investors. I'll, but I'll believe it when I really see it I rolling. Know. I like that at least they're talking about a $45,000 starting price. You know, at $45,000, yeah. that's, that's reasonably that's affordable. Good, that's a good point. Sure. We're not talking $130,000, whatever, you know, the Fisker is. This, yeah. theoretically, will yeah. be uh, a car that a lot Reachable. of people can afford, yeah. you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that, that does kind of lead into another part of the CES coverage, augmented reality and integrated systems. Because mm -hmm. all, all cars now, are they're going to connect with your watch, they're connect with your phone, Amazon Alexa. Um, one of the things that was shown is kind of like um, a modern Harry Potter sorting hat. Nissan yeah. came out with it. I, it's, yeah, I need you to explain Nis it to me. Well, I don't understand it myself, but it's <laughs> Nissan brain-to-vehicle technology, I think is what they call it. And basically, uh, what, what they're doing is it, it can read your brain signals, and it's supposed to make the drive more uh, exciting and more enjoyable. And through stimulation? I through don't, pulses? I, <laughs> 
I just want to drive the car. You yeah, know? This I mean, is so I, this this is a, we're really getting out there I'm, now, and I'm not sure how smart this really is. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm not very smart, so what do I know? So well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. So it'll be kind I mean, of this like is a, literally a cap piece, you wear on your head. Augmented this reality is, like, is yeah, it's like a strap or something yeah. you wear. Do we need strap, augmented yeah. reality in the car though? That's what well, I. Well, you know, and, and that that is a question, you mm. know, because a lot of the augmented reality is going to project an image on the screen. You know, yeah, some some of it will be for safety. Some of it will be for safety. Right. You know, and it'll show warnings or it'll tell you what's coming. The animal the that's coming up, right? True, but yeah. there's also the potential of like Taco Bell has an ad, right. or you right. know yeah. Hilton Hotel, or you know right. whatever it is, it, you know, it, or, or just restaurant, hotel. Oh, stop in here and buy something because mm -hmm. I already know from your from connecting to your smartwatch that you're really into bicycles and they have that on sale, John, and you should go in and get it because yeah, you know yeah, you got yeah. money in your pocket, and that's a hey, whole other this, worry, this particularly because we're not going to have fully autonomous driving. Right. For a well, while. this God, God forbid we do have. Autom fully autonomous, autonomous driving at some point. This stuff is almost should come after that. Yes. Yeah. So we're now, now we can just right. sit there and not. So do if you're anything. sitting there and now, when these things pop up, because and you can say, okay, car, you know, go go to Taco Bell yeah. or whatever. Right sure. now, it's going to come up and set. And talk, oh, I got to pull in. Right. And you know, people are already distracted enough right. as it is. And they, these cars so. are only half driving themselves. Yeah. In some you, yeah. You have to still like, be alert enough. Yeah. To you're like, it. there's two things you got to learn at once now, and it's like. I don't know. It is. I, I, <laughs> I, I look at when we announced our CES coverage on Facebook mm -hmm. and we had an article on there, a couple of the comments were, you know, do, do we, I just want a car that works. Yep. I just want to put the key in or press mm -hmm. the button. I just want it to work each day. Right. I don't need all this extra stuff. Yes, some of you are going to be like, oh, fuddy-duddy, old person, whatever. But you know what? Who cares what it can display on the screen mm -hmm. if it's breaking down, if it's crashing, if it's freezing, crashing as the system's crashing? Right. That's a huge headache. Well, and the safety part I get, you know, when we get to the point, and this is still, you know, a long ways off, because you got to, you know, yeah. autonomous cars, mm -hmm. the infrastructure has to be there. They have to be able to communicate with traffic signals. Right, right now, they still can't um, do everything that a human can do, autonomous oh, cars, sure, right? Sure. So, but what about those of us that actually enjoy driving right you know that that's that's what i think yeah. is being forgotten in this whole thing is that some yeah. of us I, actually like driving I when know. i go I wrestle, on a road trip i want to drive the car myself right. yeah i wrestle know? with that because i'm negative towards the autonomous driving stuff but a lot of good stuff has come out of this exactly. you know this automatic automatic emergency braking i mean that's that's great yeah, or, a lot of this, warning. yeah, yeah this all stuff is because of the pursuit right of autonomous exactly cars. and this is all good stuff but i i just uh, it needs to stop somewhere, I think. I don't know. Yeah, you, you still want to... <laughs> I, I think that it's going to be just like, uh, you know, oh, all-wheel drive will do this, or automatic transmissions will ruin that, or et cetera, et cetera. Right. Oh, ESC is going to hurt it. No, yeah. you still have all of these technologies that, that some of them you could turn off, and some of them have enhanced it. Mm -hmm. You know, a, D, a really nice sequential gearbox is, is, is a fun thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Not well, a stick, but a, not, not fun. The, the, what I want to get to about, you mm -hmm. say, like, in the future, right. is that we have something here. Yeah. A new car. The 2018 Buick Regal Sportback, which we just got in this week. We each got a chance to drive it quickly. Yeah, uh, quickly Ryan, yeah. you lead off. Give us some impressions on it. Um, it looks like a regular sedan, but it has a hatchback. Um, I thought that was, at first I didn't realize it was a hatchback. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know much about the car when we got it, and I saw it in the shop, and I said, wow, it looks like the last Regal, kind of, <laughs> which, good Wasn't and bad, bad, I don't know. Yeah. It's, not a, it's a good-looking car, I think. Mm -hmm. it's a, you know. So I, I drove it, uh, steering's a little wishy-washy. It was a little, it's there. It yeah. turns. Yep. Um, it rides pretty good. It's... Um, I thought it was pretty good. nice car. It's got plenty of power. Um, the two-liter turbo. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I was able to get comfortable in the, um, the seating position, but it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to open the hatch. Yeah. It's, oh, because you, you press the, the yeah. Uh, I was looking around on the for back. a back. You press on it's like a whack. So I went out, and then it I was, opens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went out around the back to 
pushed a button. I couldn't, there was just the emblem. I went back in the car, I'm like, there's gotta be a, you know, a release somewhere. Go back out to the hatch, and now I'm like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom trying to find this button. And it, <laughs> what, I'm thinking Volkswagen, but you just touch it, it's, not, it's electronic, you don't actually flip it. Right, right. That's the only way to open the hatch, I think. The, I, the, the weird thing about that is, is that this time of year, when you it's covered with dirt and, and salt and stuff, so you press on it, you're gonna get dirty. If it was more of a, 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 yeah, a, a button underneath, like right, a lot right. of well, cars are, you you won't get dirty. But I had the same thing. I wasn't. I was pressing it like I think. Oh, and I didn't even press it hard enough. Well, there is an indent yeah. underneath the trunk where you think that they would have. You can't one. get your fingers in right. There. But yeah. you can't get your fingers. Yeah. In. And then underneath, there's the camera. By the mm -hmm. license plate, there's a the camera and right. other plastic pieces. Yeah. You know, so you're going to get dirty there as right, well. So right. it is the one drawback of having a. I, I, I'm guaranteeing there's got to be a button in there. I didn't look. I didn't see it. I, I, yeah. I would hope. And there's nothing on the key fob. I was like checking the key we fob. We will too. figure Sometimes it out we, for yeah, our road test. So That's it would be our, my one but mission is to. If they it out. have the kick technology or something, yeah. maybe. But you're right. That's weird. But. That's We're a lot into of the one. weeds. That's on the yeah. weeds. Yeah. What do you think about driving? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, interestingly, this probably will be the last Opel-based uh, mm -hmm. car that you know General Motors cars mm -hmm. will have here because they sold off Opel. Right, they're European subsidiary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have the 250 horsepower uh, two-liter turbo four, uh, and there's also a V6 you can get. Yeah, our car is all-wheel drive. You can get you know front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I thought it drove pretty well. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's quite as sporty as the last Regal, actually. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on the steering. I thought it was touring. pretty vague. I, yep. I, the handling's pretty good, but the yeah. steering kind of ruins it a little bit. Yeah. The ride is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, the engine has really good power. It does. And, it's quick. Um, yeah, yeah, there's no, no complaints mode. there. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think uh, the engine sounds very good, right. yeah. but the sounds are pretty well muted. You know what I mean? It's not yep. obnoxiously loud, but it just... Yeah. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound bad, but it doesn't sound you know, like say an Audi, uh, you know, Turbo Four sounds good. This right. one, this one doesn't actually sound. Yeah. good. I found um, first of all, it's got a conventional shifter. Doesn't have that wackadoodle J shifter that that, that Buick has. <laughs> Maybe that's stuff. our new name for it, wackadoodle. It's wackadoodle. wackadoodle yeah. I think it's with a whack-a-mole back and the wackadoodle shifter. <laughs> um, one thing is, I never know where Buick is positioned because mm. you get in there and it's it's got some nice materials. But it, this isn't an A5 or A7 quality car. Um, it has a lot of the GM switch gear that, like, the turn signal is a click. Like, oh my gosh! Hard, the turn signals. Fake, well, they like, just uh, look old. They, well, they're old style. Yeah. It's dated, a lot of the yeah. plastics, and that's that's kind of where it is. Like, right. it's the next level up from a Chevy, but it's not a Cadillac. Right, but it's got like Malibu window Somehow, switches. Somehow, but it has the window switches, <laughs> which and is the, and those. This yeah. is a typical GM plastic, and it's just I know economy of scale, but mm -hmm. at the same time. You're not going to pull an Audi or BMW driver to Buick. No. Well, somehow Audi takes this, you know, uh, you know, Audi used to have really fancy interiors, and then yep. they went to more of a simplistic approach, but it still looks it's really still good. It's still quality. Somehow yes. Audi d does this simplistic approach right. You know, we're talk I'm talking yeah, center yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, minimalist, Buick, if you Yeah, will. minimalist. Yeah. Um, I'm not a wordsmith. That's okay. We know you're just a writer. Um, <laughs> so somehow, somehow Buick... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh, you're so Oh, I saw that. Somehow, yeah. Buick, uh, it just doesn't look as nice. It, right. it doesn't have as, you know, it looks There's more, sheen it to looks it. more not... boring than, yeah. say, an Audi or something like mm -hmm. that. There's just so, something weird there. It's just, you know, and I mean, again, my, my dad has a Corvette Stingray, and you have that, that, that GM switchgear that just... It doesn't isn't applicable in an eighty thousand yeah. dollar car, and then you have have but you know these what? other sedans that are above a Malibu, and it looks like it's the same stuff. And right. That's trouble. You know what this car has? What does it? Four way have? lumbar. So you know who that's going to oh, really Gabe's make gonna happy. Love this. Gabe's yeah. going to love it. Gabe will love oh, it. Oh man. Yeah. Well, we're putting that through 
check-in miles. We haven't even gotten into any you know testing miles. So right. you know, keep it keep online on CR, consumerreports.org, CR.org, mm -hmm. um, and see how we we'll have a first look, and um, you know, we'll uh, we'll have some updates on it as as it goes through testing. We'll get back to you. Yes, we will. We'll get back to you. Um, this brings us into the, the the final segment. Viewer questions. We've got a, a bunch of good ones. Yay, viewer questions. Viewer questions, yes, because we have viewers. Um, we have some tire <laughs> questions. We have some technology questions. I'm going to throw the first one to Ryan. Hi, my dad bought the latest magazine from Consumer Reports. In the tire section, he saw some ultra-high performance tires perform better on snow and ice than some winter tires in the ratings. Is that true, or do the ratings only mean the performance in their own category? Ryan, tire tester extraordinaire. Okay. Um, I know a few things about yeah, tires. Yeah, I've heard. So I, uh, after doing some research on this question, I, I checked out the magazine. And um, while I don't fully um, I, I understand the question, just because I only saw one, one um, ultra-high performance all-season tire that had um, a very good in snow and ice. Okay. Um, whereas every other snow tire is at least very good or excellent. And I think there was a few stinkers yeah. here or there. But... Um, Either way, is a good question um, for the general audience. Snow tires slash winter tires, depending on what you call them, are generally much better on snow and ice than any all-season, especially an ultra-high performance all-season, because these are tires now that have a lower sidewall, wider prof uh, you know, wider footprint, right. um, designed for ultimate grip in dry and wet conditions. So um, they give up even more of this winter traction. Right. Um, so you have to drive in the snow, and you want a little more confidence. So, a snow tire is going to transform your vehicle. It's like an um, upper peninsula, Michigan, northern Yeah, England, it's a regional thing. Yeah, but, uh, where all season, I, you're just living in snow. Right. I, I mean, go ahead, Mike. Well, I would say it's even, even more, uh, encompasses even more of the country than just that. Because you can't, you know, it, it's one thing, if you live, say, in this area, where we do get snow, no question about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and y if you have to be to work uh, no matter what, yeah, you're you got you yeah. to put snow tires on in the winter. Right. You should. You're just smart if you do. But the other thing is, maybe you don't have to go to work when it snows, but maybe you were on a trip somewhere, right? And yes. maybe you were up in Vermont, or maybe you were in, you know, Canada, New Jersey. For example. Or, or even New Jersey, and you're right. coming back, and you didn't know that this, you thought you were going to beat the storm back. Yeah. Right. now you're in a snowstorm with all-season tires. Yeah. Uh, you know, just on a personal thing, just the way I was brought up, my dad always switched to snow yeah. tires. Mm -hmm. Ever since we moved to Connecticut, my dad switches his car every mm -hmm. winter to snow tires. My brother switches his Accord and his wife's Outback to snow tires. My sister puts snow tires on her Volvo. So mm -hmm. it's just... So you guys and, kept and some, the snow guy, some right. people, tire guy in business. Yeah, some, my, and my mom lives in Vermont. She has to do yeah. it. So yeah. she has a separate set of uh, wheels mm -hmm. she puts on her on her, uh, her Volvo wagon every right. winter. And that's, uh, you know, that's what I personally recommend. If, if you are in a snowyish area like this, New England, Personally, get a second set of wheels and, and switch to snow tires, or just switch to snow tires, I, period. I did that with my Audi A4 uh, Quattro. Gabe, of course, called it uh, uh, suspenders and a belt. <laughs> Extra. Because you, didn't need, protection, you yeah. didn't need to have both, according to Gabe. That's, that's years ago. So um, <laughs> I think the one thing is, the question is, you, you should only compare, in our ratings, tires within right, the I category. Wanna, yeah, I want right? to get back to that. Um, so the, the ultra-high-performance tires are tested uh, one year. So we have summer tires uh, all season, and then a performance winter tire, which... It's basically a winter tire that just fits these um, low-profile, wide mm -hmm. sizes for sports cars. So you want to throw it on a 911 exactly. or something. Yeah. Exactly. These tires are all tested that year on a certain vehicle. The next year, we test the regular uh, passenger all-season tires. So there'll be all-season, all performance all-season, and uh, winter tires. That all fit a regular, like a Camry. These are all tested on a separate car. And then there's truck tires. 
the point is these are tires are tested different in different years on different vehicles so you, you can't exact you can't cross compare mm -hmm. exactly for per, you know category to category but we try to show in the ratings that you know generally a snow tire is better than um, an all-season tire on snow and ice. For snow and ice, right? Um, so, for the answer to the question, is that you know they're on diff they're in different categories. Right. They're on similar similar scales, but mm -hmm. the winter tire is always going to perform better. Yes. A bad winter tire is probably going to still be better than an all many all seasons. Many, yes. And grip. Exactly. Um, a whole different topic now on warming up your car because we talked about that in the last couple episodes. It is winter time. It is mm -hmm. winter time, and it's been freezing here. Regarding the topic of warming up your car in the morning, comfort aside. How does driving your car cold impact your engine and drive components? What about wear and tear from poor lubrication when the engine is not up to operating temperature? When I fire up my Mazda 3 in the mornings, the car holds a higher RPM than normal for a couple minutes. I always assume this was to warm up the engine. Well, it's funny that the person talks about uh, Mazda because Mazdas, most Mazdas have like this little blue uh, light that mm -hmm. stays on until mm -hmm. the car is warm. The little war water so, temperature. Yeah. <clears throat> so here's, here's the basic thing. Uh, when you really do want to fire the car up, let me put it this way. The worst thing you can do, especially when it's really cold out, is fire the car up and immediately throw it in gear and take off. Actually, even worse than that, fire it up, immediately throw it in gear, and drive it hard. Right. That's Water. the worst thing you can do. Yeah. The best thing is fire it up, let it run for about a minute or so, and then you know get going and drive kind of easy on it until you see uh, in the Mazda, you see the blue light go off, or you see the temperature gauge go up to about its normal operating yeah, temperature. Right. You feel so some just, warm air come out yeah, too, maybe. Yeah. You, you gotta, you want to give it a, that first minute though to just let everything get, let all the fluids and everything, the oil get through there and yeah. start its lubrication process. Right. That's that's what you really want to make. That's what that minute or so does. But but cold it, starting a car isn't going to hurt it. I mean, everyone no. like, lies in bed and they're warm, and the hardest thing is getting up and getting out of the bed, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and then yeah. you get going. So, right. like, yes, you turn the car on, and, and it's designed to go. But like you said, you know, don't don't yeah. throttle it like you're starting at, you know, at a, a spa, right. you know, in a and, Formula One race. And the other thing is, of course, uh, you know, you could let, let the car sit there for five or ten minutes if you want. Uh, but you'll, you might probably notice when you go out there that it's still not up to full operating temperature. Right. It's, it warms up much quicker when you when right. You like we, we've driving. said in the last couple episodes. Yeah, get out there and get driving and get the car going. Right. right. Although some people, you know, you want to let it sit there for five minutes or so, yeah. so that it'll defrost the windshield. So you the, have to there do is it that. Scraping. There's the defrost windshield. There's also yeah. the mental thing of like, oh, it's just going to be warmer, yeah, right? Right. right? Yeah. As far as internal, I think he's getting. He wants to really understand if there's he's breaking anything inside of there. And the, the worst thing you can actually do to a motor is start it, right. when it's, especially when it's cold. Um, so just within, so push your car to work. Yeah, <laughs> pop start it. Yeah. Right. No, it's if you can you start have to it, do give it. it. Yeah, you have to start it. Obviously, give it a minute because nowadays it's pretty quick. I mean, the oil within thirty seconds, a minute is going to be fully circulated. I mean, yes. it's yes. Um, especially you know when it's cold. There's all the oil at the bottom. It's sitting well, there. But you touched on that. That's a, that's the perfect reason to keep fluid levels up. Meaning, yeah, maintain them, maintain the vehicle, in the winter time, particularly yeah. in the summer. Don't Harsh skip oil climate. changes. Don't skip oil changes. Yeah. Don't forget about it. Don't sludge your engine. Right. Very important. Yep. Final question we're going to go to is technology. Do brake lights come on when the adaptive cruise control slows you down quickly? I have a 2017 Subaru Forester with EyeSight. Yesterday, I came up on a slower car on the interstate with cruise control set, and I could feel my car slow down quickly. Car behind me came close to the rear of my car before slowing. So... They do, the lights yes. do turn on. Yes. Ryan, you had a good anecdote, I'm sorry, Mike, about how, how you drive at night and you, yeah, and well, you checked it. Um, yeah, so sometimes you can see the glow from the, you know, the taillights right. when it's dark. And um, yeah, I mean, I've come up on cars with that on and um, slows me down and I have to go move over. But as you slow down, 
from the from that even you know this is the car in a distance and this is your the adaptive cruise is just bringing you down to to match their speed yeah and you know give you the the distance and the brake lights come on but and, and it's a safety it's a safety thing because yeah. i mean uh, and i've done some testing with uh you know a, a coworker do these things do the, you know what happens when it slows down like that you know because right. uh do the brake lights come on and they did yeah. um and the interesting about thing about the subaru, subaru though right. is with the eyesight you know you can have a screen in the in the instrument panel that shows your car and when you put on the brake lights or it puts on the brake uh, puts on the brakes the the little lights Actually. in the in the in the you know in the car on right, the, the little car diagram yeah yeah light yeah. up Pictogram. so then you know that the car is is putting on its brakes its right. brake lights I right say. yeah so, yeah it's one of the things you could scroll yeah. you got so mileage the Subaru is one that. of the few cars that right. actually shows that when the car is turning on the brake lights and when it's not so. right this yeah. is this is that's when I get mad though because now my brake lights come on the guy behind me was wondering why I'm braking and the car is still 100 yards in front of me then he goes around me gets in front of me and then I back up even further right. and it's just ladder well, effect right it is adaptive the cruise control yeah. discussion that yeah. we need to have that's why I just got to you know I don't I just don't use it <laughs> well on that note that does it for this episode of talking cars with consumer reports as always we really encourage viewers to send us their video questions so go to consumerreports.org/talkingcars and send us some video questions about things that you want to see or problems that you've seen with your car or just general questions also, check the show notes below to see what we've talked about this week. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.